Hello everyone, welcome back to Christian's Colloquy. I'm Christian, and I'm so, so glad that you could join me again this week. As many of you will know, if you listened to last week's episode, we are going to be doing over the course of this summer a series on ethical stewardship with my friend Pastor Connor. That is an interesting series, perhaps controversial. I will be learning and growing and wrestling alongside you. But something else that we want to do, sticking more to this channel's roots and our focus is doing a bit of history and specifically church history. But what will make this summer series special is that I will be a bit of a local historian for these episodes. As many of you again will know if you've been a longtime listener or watcher of this channel, is that often the history we look at is uh, foreign to where I'm living. So as many of you will know, again, I am in the greater Toronto area. I attend school in the Toronto area. I live in the Toronto area. But the figures we often cover are either in the United States or quite often in England. But today, and for a few episodes over the summer, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to look at local church history. I'm going to be looking at the great and amazing impact of Christians in my area, specifically the greater Toronto area and Ontario, my province. And today, we're going to start off with a bang, a figure who's often associated with American history, but also has quite a profound impact on Canadian Ontario history. Today, we're going to be talking about Harriet Tubman, that great abolitionist from the United States you've probably heard of. We're going to be discussing her role in the Underground Railroad, but from the specific angle of the faith of Harriet Tubman and how that relates to some pretty interesting, pretty unheard of Canadian history. So anyway, let's dive in today. We're talking about the faith of Harriet Tubman and the Salem Chapel. Let's get into it. Tubman was born a slave in Maryland in 1822, so a slave born in the United States. But something that's often not discussed in her story is that she actually grew up a devout Methodist. Her family, particularly her mother, would have likely been teaching her Bible stories from her youth. So Tubman's childhood was one where she grew up in the faith, in a particularly strong evangelical Methodist faith. What makes Tubman's story of particular interest in terms of faith is that after a head injury in her childhood at the hands of a slave overseer, Tubman began experiencing charismatic visions, dreams, and premonitions, which she believed came from the Holy Spirit. Adding some context to this, both her upbringing as a Methodist in the 19th century and these charismatic visions is to know that Tubman was born and raised at the height of the Second Great Awakening. For those who don't know, the Second Great Awakening was that event in church history at the end of the 18th century, moving into the first half of the 19th century, when many denominations such as Methodists, Presbyterians, and Baptists were getting revived and revitalized. Unfortunately, while there were a great many conversions, this is often a time when evangelicals today, particularly in robust Orthodox evangelical circles, when we'll look back and see that this was the start of revivalism, emotionalism, and a general watering down of theology. So essentially we could say the Second Great Awakening was a time in American evangelical history when robust evangelical orthodoxy was beginning to be replaced by revivalism and a watered down theology which put more emphasis upon the conversion moment rather than a life of Christian faith. But anyway, that was the time when uh, Tubman was being formed as a Christian. It was a time of great revival in faith, although it was a faith defined by charismatic emotionalism and revivalism. 
of particular note for Tubman, as a Methodist during the time of the Great Awakening and as someone born into slavery, she was particularly inspired by the stories of salvation and deliverance in the Old Testament. For example, the big example was the Exodus story, when the people of Israel were saved by God through the agency of Moses out of slavery in Egypt and brought to the Promised Land. Stories such as those in the Old Testament were ones that Tubman and many others in her situation grabbed onto for hope for their own situation. Tubman, interestingly, would have also heard of and have been shaped by many female preachers and revivalists of the time. In particular, the African Methodist Episcopal Church had initial female preachers during this time. Jarena Lee, who's pictured on your screen now if you're watching on YouTube, was one of those great female black Methodist preachers of the age, and these were quite common throughout both Methodist and Moravian denominations, as women were often leading the charge in preaching and proclaiming the gospel, and of course again in the context of this revivalism of the Second Great Awakening. Skipping over Tubman's general history, I encourage you in the description down below, I will leave links to resources on Tubman's life as a whole. When she began her role as an abolitionist, particularly working to save her fellow enslaved people and formerly enslaved people, Tubman began as a conductor on the Underground Railroad, where she would guide slaves to freedom in northern states and then in Canada. But what's of particular interest is, perhaps inspired by the Old Testament and those great preachers, she was given the nickname Moses. So you can see there how her faith informed not only her perception of her work and herself, but also the perception of those looking on her. They were charged by the stories of liberation and deliverance in the Exodus to understand their quest for freedom in the American states during the 19th century. Moving on from there, it's worth mentioning just as a general point, Tubman, over the course of her career as a conductor on the Underground Railroad, led more than 70 slaves to southern Ontario to have freedom in what we now know as Canada. One of the popular destinations of the runaway slaves, one of the stopping points for the Underground Railroad, was the town of St. Catharines, Ontario. St. Catharines, Ontario, during that time, a particular neighborhood of it, because of all those slaves and their the descendants living there, actually began to be known as Colored Town. Of interesting note, Tubman, this famous abolitionist, she actually lived in the Ontario town of St. Catharines throughout the 1850s, close to a decade. It's there, as you can see pictured on your screen, for those who are watching on YouTube, that uh, Tubman attended a church that we now call the Salem Chapel. Originally the Bethel Chapel, but now the Salem Chapel. I will mention that the Salem Chapel is a place I had a privilege of visiting recently. My girlfriend and I, over the course of the summer, will be visiting many sites in Ontario just to visit and look, but of particular interest are those of uh, significance for black history in Ontario, the forgotten history we often don't talk about. And our first destination was the Salem Chapel in St. Catharines, which is also doubles as a museum for Tubman's activities as a conductor. So if you're looking on your screen now, you can see the plaque dedicated to Tubman right beside the Salem Chapel. So, a bit on the Salem Chapel itself. Originally called Bethel, as I, as I mentioned, it was built in the 1810s by freedom-seeking Africans fleeing slavery in America. The chapel itself 
is now part of the British Methodist Episcopal Church. This is quite an interesting history as it was formed out of a generally friendly split from the African Methodist Episcopal Church. There was lots of drama and politics, of course, especially for African Methodists who wouldn't quite be willing to return to America to attend conventions. But that's all to say that the Salem Chapel in that community was built into the many African Methodist churches during the age. African Methodism has a robust history. A, bit, a large segment of the Black Church today are Methodist churches alongside Baptists and Pentecostals, but that's to say this Salem Chapel is now part of the British Methodist Episcopal Church. And it might be interesting to note that the chapel is still in use today. If you so choose, you're able to attend their worship services on Sunday, but also they have guided tours as the chapel also, as I mentioned, doubles as a museum. Interesting to note is that the chapel was dedicated as a national historical site in 1999, which is great as it ensures that the chapel will continue to be funded, given grants, and allowed to continue to operate as long as there are volunteers and people to take care of the property. But let's get back to Tubman. Later in life, Tubman began increasingly to be increasingly involved with the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, another black Methodist denomination. She was quite active in that denomination as she supported her local church and the church at large with land and money for the running of a home for elderly black folks in the States. She died, however, Tubman, in 1913 of pneumonia. Interestingly, and perhaps perplexingly for some, her alleged last words to her family were, I go to prepare a place for you. This is clearly a reference to Jesus' words in John 14.3, but frankly, I'm not quite sure to make of them. Tubman seemingly appropriating them for herself. Perhaps it was her understanding of herself as a Moses figure, a delivering figure leading the way to heaven and taking some ownership over that. Or perhaps she was reminding Lee, and this is what I frankly hope in a charitable way, that she was reminding them of Jesus' promise to not only her, but to her believing family, that he has prepared a place for them. So, what are our main takeaways with that fantastic history today? I think we need to remember three things. And as I speak, I will be showing some of the footage, if you're watching on YouTube, of my visit to St. Catharines in Colortown. First, we need to remember, recognize, and celebrate how a robust Christian, specifically evangelical faith, was at the heart of Tubman's life and actions. Scripture, the Christian scriptures, inspired her. The Christian community encouraged her. And God, frankly, and I think we can honestly say, led her and kept her during her dangerous, brave, and important work as a conductor on the Underground Railroad. To summarize, we can't conceive of Tubman as this amazing uh, abolitionist and conductor on the Underground Railroad apart from her robust and, frankly, deep and inspiring evangelical faith. Secondly, as we do everything I just said, we can and should recognize how Tubman's faith wasn't fully orthodox. Methodists of the Second Great Awakening were known to be mystical, centered upon liberation, and shaped by their particular experience and circumstance. While we can understand that and appreciate that, we mustn't gloss over the fact that Tubman today, her faith, will be under close scrutiny. Much the same could be said, even to a greater degree, of famous figures like Martin Luther King Jr. While we should appreciate the role of Christianity in their faith, we should also be frank and honest and recognize where their faith or their doctrinal professions were lackluster at best. 
Thankfully, while Tubman was firmly rooted in her Methodist faith, which would have been lock solid, rock solid on the essentials, we could still recognize her personal shortcomings in terms of ecstatic, mystical experiences. Finally, and this is a general point that I hope all of you, especially you in Ontario, perhaps in my church family or friend groups, would appreciate. We need to recognize how especially in Ontario and Canada at large, that church history and black history are so deeply intertwined, largely on a positive level. That as we look at black history and Christian history, where they intersect, such as in the case of Tubman, we could see how the gospel was brought to bear to correct, challenge, speak out against, and work against the negative impacts of racial discrimination and, of course, slavery. So, I encourage you, if you're an Ontario, Ontarian or a Canadian listening to this, explore black history in your part of Ontario. Check out museums, check out famous figures, pick up some books. I'll have some recommendations down below for places to check out, places I hope to visit. But there, I think you will likely find how people, underground railroad conductors, abolitionists, great states people, or perhaps advancers of social reform and those who spoke out, about, spoke out against injustice, often had robust evangelical faiths at their core. So let that be an encouragement to you. Get to know black history, get to know Canadian history, get to know church history, and see all the wonderful ways that in God's providence and sovereignty, they intersect, intertwine, and bring to bear the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world for the better. Anyway, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you look forward to more local history as we unpack them over the summer. We will be looking at famous preachers. We will be looking at um, indigenous activists. We will be talking about educators and, of course, freedom fighters like Tubman. But that's it for now. Take care.